There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? Welcome back to another episode in our series, Because Patton Says So. Movies recommended from the Criterion Collection by none other than my close personal friend, Patton Oswalt, who I've never met. This week, we're examining a film from the land of the rising sun, Yosujiro Ozu's The Flavor of Green Tea Over Rice. This is almost two hours of non-stop martial arts action. Fists fly, swords flash, incredible acrobatics... What is the flavor of green tea over rice? It's the flavor of death! The sheer violence and brutality of this film, the, the death-defying stunts. Max. All of the... Max. Major... Max. What, what? Right in the middle. Yeah, you wrote this introduction before you actually saw the movie, didn't you? Hmm? Had you actually seen the movie before you wrote this intro? Yes. Max. Okay, okay. Maybe I worked on it a little beforehand, and maybe I mixed up Koji Tsurada and Sunny Shiba, which is an honest mistake that anyone could make. Oh, dear gods. But now I've actually seen the movie, and yes, it's <clears throat> possible that my initial summary of it may have been... Completely wrong? Slightly <laughs> off target. It's possible that the film is actually a... Languid, deceptively simple story about a marriage and perhaps marriage in general set in post-war Tokyo. I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know much of anything anymore. But one thing I do know is that this is Max Mike Movies, and I'm your host, Max, the flavor of Campbell's over Cheerios, Levine. <laughs> and here, uncomfortably close to me, is your host, Mike, the flavor of Mr. Pibb over Lasagna Loose. Say something tasty yet poignant, Mike. Hey, don't knock it till you tried it. I think I will. Not right. Oh, yes. But before we get to this fists of fury action thriller, marriage, yeah, marriage story, <clears throat> we have our poll question. Poll question. We asked you, what actor do you feel never got their due? Just didn't get the big roles or the accolades. Roland Hardy starts off with Stormy Daniels. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Who story me Daniels? Stormy Daniels is the porn star that jo oh. Donald Trump uh, oh. had an affair with and paid um, off. And oh, <laughs> absolutely true. Oh, Roland, you naughty, naughty man. Ian Coleman says, "I honestly don't know if he's gotten any awards, but I feel like Guy Pierce should be a bigger oh. name." Yeah, that's yeah. fair. I don't think he has. No. And he's been all over the place. I mean, I mean, I think I first saw him in Memento. Yeah, and I mean, it was quickly, the first time I saw him. It was um, what was that the the gay bus movie? Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Priscilla Queen of the Desert. Yeah, the and gay then, bus movie. And then that he bus was, in, was straight as an arrow. <laughs> yeah, it's the only thing on that movie that was. Yes, indeed. And then he was in um, the Time Machine. Well, yeah, and then didn't he play the Scarecrow in a couple of the Batman movies, or am I thinking of no, Cillian Murphy? I'm Killian, thinking of Cillian Murphy. Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy, excuse yeah. me. Yeah, and then we did see him in a uh, Marvel movie. We saw him in that Iron Man movie where he played Oh, that's Lord right, that's right. Mandarin, so. That's right, that's yeah, right. Yeah, cool. Yeah. George Solnier simply says, me. Ah. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> Way to self-promote there, George. Adam Mark says, very hard to answer, but this doesn't stop him. Nope. You never got to know the star potential talent, or you never get to know the star potential talent who doesn't get elevated up from the chorus. 
Oh, we're the boys of the club. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Dorothy Dandridge comes to mind. Oh, boy, yeah. First African-American to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Actress for Carmen Jones in 1954. Ooh. But she didn't fit the studio system's cookie-cutter idea of leading lady. I really don't have another answer. Truly, showbiz just ain't fair. If you want to work in an industry ruled by logic or fairness, go into law. <laughs> Really? <laughs> or chemistry. Well, to be fair, yeah. he's a lawyer. Yeah. Or chemistry. Or whatever. Whatever. In an in- industry where genuine opportunities at stardom depend on unquantifiable qualities like sex appeal, spark, in quotes, and the arbitrary chance of a good writer, actor, director all at once, it's truly a crapshoot. There were hundreds of actresses more talented than Julia Roberts in 1989 and 1990. Oh, no! Come on! But it was Julia Roberts who hooked Steel Magnolias in 89 and Pretty Woman in 90. So it was she who got to spend the entire 90s making millions and not the others. That's showbiz. Well, don't forget the couch. That's a big part, too. Absolutely. (laughs) Unfortunately. Yep, Yep. very insightful. Thank you, Adam. Male or female couch. Just pointing that out. And Dave, obviously, John Travolta has done it all and gets no respect. You know, that's fair. He's done an awful lot. Yeah, but I want to say there's about a 50-50 on John Travolta. On Mm. the one hand, you might have something like Hairspray. On the other hand, you might have something like Battlefield Earth. Well, you also have, you know, Pulp Fiction. Right. And Welcome Back, Cotter. Well, yes, but this is true (laughs) of people like Richard Burton, too, you know. Well, it depends on how much booze there is. Uh, Yeah. As a practical matter, I don't know why I put him in the league with the best of the best. But I don't, even though I have seen some fabulous performances by him. There used to be a stigma associated with starting in television. I think it's still there, but I don't Mm. think of myself as a snob that way, and don't think that the award-giving community has an issue with such a thing anymore either. I don't know. I'm going to disagree about the television thing, because these days, TV... The kind of TV they're making, the lavishness of it, the higher quality writing, quite honestly, yeah. I don't think that stigma exists. You know, I actually see a lot of quote-unquote I big hope, movie stars. I hope that's true because it was completely unre- unreasonable. That's why like Rob Reiner and Ron Howard didn't get a lot of recognition for a very long time. Or Gabe Kaplan. Or Gabe Kaplan. Man, <laughs> where's Gabe Kaplan's Oscar? Yeah. Then some clown named Mickey Luce. Huh? Oh, Mike Lewis responded, TV is not as it was. Certainly in the 70s and 80s, it was a lesser medium than it is today. What performances of Travolta would you say are fabulous? That's a good point. Dave then responds, uh, maybe I am exaggerating. Fabulous is an overstatement, but (laughs) I was very impressed with Blowout when it came out. That is good. We see our entire episode on Blowout. Yeah. Uh, Also, I thought he was particularly good in the TV show about the trial. Uh, I don't know what that is. Me either. And he was good in Greece, or so I thought when it came out. I have not seen it since. Oh, Dave, watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> yes, watch the 40-year-olds who say they're high school students. <laughs> Val Coons, Matt's mistress and commandress of Q Footsteps. Commanders? The second, it's a, it's a word, don't look it up, of the second greatest <laughs> no, it podcast isn't. in existence. It totally is. Shut up. The internet's lying. Q Footsteps. 
uh, says, the first one that comes to mind is Donald O'Connor. Oh, yeah. Was he the lead, handsome leading man type? No, but neither was Fred Astaire. That's true. And in my humble opinion, Mr. O'Connor was the superior dancer. Whoa! <laughs> Controversial! Well, I mean, look at Singing in the Rain. He has that one uh, make him laugh. That's bit. incredibly athletic. You, is that as graceful as Fred Astaire? People well, used to argue the same well, thing about Gene Kelly. Well, that's where I'm going. I'm mm. actually comparing him to Gene Kelly. I oh. know that she brought up Fred Astaire. And I would say of the two, I would agree that um, Gene Kelly is much more of an athletic dancer yeah, than he is I a balletic say. dancer. Not that I know anything about dance. But that being said, that t- that and the Gotta Dance are the two big mm-hmm. numbers in yeah. that film. And the Gotta Dance is so out of place in that film, but it's, so cool. It's very, yeah. But it's, honestly, Make Him Laugh is just... Like, it's the most fun. Cripes it's that looks so difficult, fun. and he doesn't like lose his smile once. I, I always like the comparison of Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly. Is Fred Astaire made it look effortless? Gene Kelly, you saw how hard it was. Yeah, yeah, that very interesting. Mm. Thank you, Val. Nick Hoffman says, honestly, it's a difficult question to answer given the nature of the gig. I always felt that Alec Guinness was never properly appreciated. Same for Derek Jacoby. They got knighted, though. Really? Yeah. And now, it's true, in this country, I'm not sure how much recognition either of those guys got. They're huge in Britain. Yeah. And um, Derek Jacoby, probably not, but also Derek Jacoby mm-hmm. tended to like to stay on stage more yeah. than he did do films or TV. That being said, he made a huge impression on me when I was young when I saw I cla- Clavdivs. I Clavdivs. Clavdivs. That's how you pronounce it. It's <laughs> oh. true. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So interesting. Maybe not here, but back over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting, though. Uh, Ursula Murray Husted says, Victoria Lake. I think she means Veronica Lake. Oh. She says, Brilliant in Sullivan's Travels. That was Veronica Lake. Ah. And pigeonholed into Vamp, a damn shame. She was amazing. Also, stunning. I thought that was a body of water. Uh, no. <laughs> Derek Steele, private eye. He's a photographer. For a private eye. No! <laughs> Too many questions for one post. Wait, oh, that's okay. it? That's it. That's that's all we get. There was one because question. Because Derek Steele doesn't give away more than he has to. There was one question. That's what I thought, but... That was a hard question. No, it wasn't. <laughs> You're not going to argue with Derek Steele. He's a photographer. Uh-huh, that's what he wants you to think. Keith Wright <laughs> gives us a whole list. Alfrey Woodard, Bokeem Woodbine, CCH Pounder, Raymond Gomez from The Closer and Major Crimes. Hmm. Oh, boy. Aujanue Ellis... Karen Melina White. I've heard of about three of those people. You're three ahead of me. But cool. Thank you, Keith. And, of course, our cinematic expert from the frozen north. He who polkas with penguins. Yeah, yeah. Quack, quack. Quack. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) John Hurt was a legend, but never a household name. And he really should have been. Okay, I'll give you that. John Hurt was amazing. I have to put in a word for Divine who was really serious about her roles and was the sweetest, most Gentile, I assume gentle, yeah. although may have been Gentile, I think he was Gentile as well. I think that's a fair guess. Yeah, person in real life and who was just starting to get real roles to show her talent. Teresa Russell, I just love. Oh, Teresa Russell. Was she Ilsa She-Wolf of the FSS? No, she was not. Oh. She was in a lot of Nicholas Rigg films. They oh. were married. I don't know oh, him. Yeah. And while having some commercial success... 
never got the credit I think she deserves for the challenging part she took on. I remember her in a movie in the 80s with Deborah Winger called Black Widow. She was friggin' mesmerizing. Yeah, well, Vince likes them fern films because he lives in Fernland. Yeah, so. yeah, up in that up in that weird country, Canada. Yeah, yeah it's all snow yeah. and penguins. But what about you, Mike? Who, who do you think didn't get didn't get the chops they should? Alan Ruck. Oh, his performance. If you go back and watch yeah. Ferris Bueller, that movie is not about no, Ferris it's Bueller about Cameron. It's totally about Cameron. And quite honestly, the character I expect to actually change after this film is Cameron. I don't mm. think Ferris is going to change at all. Why no, would he? That's, that's he, a very good he's point. He's almost like a little force of nature. And after that, Alan Ruck, what does he get? He gets a small part in Young Guns 2. He gets a small part in Star Trek, whichever one. He did a bunch of TV. Yeah, and it's like. Not least of which, I believed that he was at least close to high school age when he was the oldest of that cast. Mm. He was like 27 or 28 when he mm. did that part. And I just thought that he had more to offer and I would like to have seen it. The other one I would like to put in, mm -hmm. there's still a chance, and I think that they may have a better shot, and that's Mahershala Ali. Oh. Huh? Because a lot of people... He was up for an Oscar, and he's gotten some recognition. Some, but... I honestly think if people will go to, I'm not selling anything, mm -hmm. to Apple TV Plus and watch Swan Song, the subtlety Ooh, yeah. of that performance oh, is really amazing. See our episode on Swan Song. But that's just my opinion, which of course yeah. is worth its weight in platinum. Mm -hmm. Lovely, <laughs> lovely platinum. But not your two-bit uh, opinion. <laughs> You know, I'm honestly not sure. You, One of the people I always kind of liked, I would have liked to have seen her in more movies, was Joan Rivers. And, oh. you know, she got a lot of recognition as a comedian. Sure. But she was so damn funny, and she had such a great edge, and they tend to just throw her in either playing herself or a parody of herself. Mm. And I think she had a lot more to offer than that. Do you think she could actually act? I'm not sure. I think she's one of those comedians who you could put in, if you picked the right role, she would have really worked. Hmm. But, I mean, I also got to give her credit. She didn't really want that. She wanted to be a comedian. That was, that's what she loved. So, in some ways, your answer doesn't make sense. Yes. Ah, well, at least we have that out of the way. Yep. Well, you know, who knows? Because, look, did you think initially that Robin Williams could act? No, I really didn't. I thought for, and for years, even when he was doing, you know, really successful movies like Good Morning Vietnam, it's like, uh, oh, he's just doing Robin Williams. And then you start seeing things like One Hour Photo, and it's like, oh, okay, he can actually do other stuff. Or Fisher King. Or the Fisher King, yep. Yeah. So no, maybe maybe with the right director, she could, maybe if she'd done a Terry Gilliam. Oh my! Oh you imagine God. that Joan Rivers in a Terry Gilliam film. I would wow. totally have seen that. I would have gone to see that twice. That'd have been interesting. That really would have. But thank you all. You gave yes. us some very cool answers, very, very thoughtful good. ones, some surprising ones, yeah. which is always the best part. So we have another one for you, and this is sort of the counter, the dark side uh -oh. of what we just had. Who is one actor whose success absolutely baffles you? Just oh makes you think, how did this person become a movie star? Yeah. And I don't mean a one-shot. I don't no. mean, like, Yahoo's serious. Wait, that's not a movie star. He was in two movies. So. That's not a movie star. No, that's a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm talking about someone who was really successful. Like Pauly Shore. Like Pauly. Well, was he successful? Yeah, he was, actually. He was on a bunch of movies, but we know why he was a success. It's because of Mommy. Oh, no, that's... It was totally... He auditioned for oh, everything. Uh -huh. <laughs> right. Anyway, that yeah. is our question. At the end of the show, I will remind you, our loyal listeners who already know, but for those newcomers... It's too late to run. And we'll tell you how to answer the question. Just email us. 
But before we we do the facts, I have not been able to find anything about the budget of this movie or how much money it made. That it's harder to find that for Japanese films. Well, but the budget would have been in kabukis. Yes, it would. It would indeed. The famous currency of Japan, which is actually pancakes. Um, <laughs> no, it isn't. It's theater. <laughs> uh, Did you look up anything this week? Define look up. Oh, dear. There isn't. There wasn't a lot to find about no, this. Well, that does not surprise yeah, me. First off, I do have to say a little something about uh, Yasujiro Ozu, or just Ozu. Oh. In Japan, he is Ozu. And in the words of one of our, uh, basically, my expert in Japan, which is Dave, Ozu is a real thing. Huh. People, There are people who just friggin' love his movies, and there are people who just can't watch them. Like a Kubrick. Kinda like yeah, like a Kubrick or a Wes Anderson or just oh, very boy. distinctive style. See, now I want to see a Japanese Wes Anderson film. I really, <laughs> really do. <laughs> yeah, I guess Isle of Dogs doesn't really count. No. Yeah. Uh, the script was originally written by Ozu oh. uh, under the title Kareshi Nankin e Iku, oh. which translates "Boyfriend is going to Nanjing." This uh. was written in 1939. Oh. Yeah. Oh, story. I can't imagine why it didn't get made sooner. Well, it was a story concerning a man about to be sent abroad on military service rather than the business trip to Uruguay. And in 1940, it was retitled Ochazuke no Aji, and they don't give the translation for that, uh, and went into preparation for production. But the military censors demanded that the script be completely rewritten, demanding, like, the humble Ochazuke dish, which is mentioned in the title, be changed to the celebratory... Uh, Ochazuki is tea over rice. Okay. Be changed to the celebratory dish of red beans and rice because the man was leaving to serve in the army. Ozu shelved the project at that point. Oh. Yeah, and left it shelved for 12 years. Did you find out what it was celebrating, what the green tea over rice would have celebrated? Nope. No, yeah, that would have been a tough fight. Yeah. Ozu is a big deal in Japan. He's known somewhat over here. His big one, I think, that he's known for is Tokyo Story. He's also known for languid pacing, not much action, and mostly slice-of-life kind of stuff. So, um, no uh, Fists of Fury? There could have been. They were probably left on the cutting room floor. No crane kicks? There was a crane kick. You must have looked away when it happened. I was sitting next to you. We watched it yeah, together. Yeah, and I saw you look away, and that's right when it happened. When you looked over there, and then it happened. No anyway, bloody decapitations? Well, it's not, it's not important. Um, <laughs> ah, facts. What do we need those for? Yeah. Uh, at the start, there are a few little things. At the start of the film, the two women in the cab, you know, who I think are Mrs. Sakate and Setsuko, mm-hmm are talking about going to see a new film with Jean Marais. It's probably the film Orpheus, which was oh. in 1950 and was released in Japan in June of 51. Pretty At the racist. spa, the women mention that the all-girl review and sing a song from it. It started when the violets were in bloom. Mm-hmm. This is most likely a reference to the Takarazuka review, an all-female musical troupe based in oh boy, Takarazuka in the Hyogo Prefecture. Thank you. At the 30-minute mark, the baseball team that the women are watching at bat is the... Oh, yes. This is the... Not hard to pronounce. It's just an interesting name. The Minichi Orions. Oh. As evidenced by the announcements of left fielder Takuzo Miyake. Of course. And center fielder... I mean, you already know this. Yeah, Manimoto. Kauro Beto. No, Manimoto was pinch hitting. (laughs) Oh. The Orions were defending the Japan Series champions in... Sorry, were the 
defending Japan Series champions in 1951, but finished third in the Japanese Pacific League with a 54-51 record, despite Beto hitting 309 with 16 home runs and 22 stolen bases, and Miyake batting 281. Oh yeah, I know. Disappointing. Poor Orion's. Yeah, look, I bring this up because there really isn't that much to find. The only other thing I can tell you is on Rotten Tomatoes, this movie has a ninety-three percent critic score and an eighty-nine percent audience score. Cripes. Yeah, this this movie for the people who see it, people love it. Boy, why don't we watch more of those? I don't know. Why do we keep watching really bad? No, well, never mind. Well, we don't. They, we don't actually. They, they can't all be the lake house. Oh, but at least they could take a little bit of Rogue Warfare 3 into their hearts. <laughs> oh, but that's the kind of magic. That's lightning in a bottle. That's yeah, really hard. That's not going to happen again. No. But uh, that, that, that's all I got, yeah, unless you've got anything. Uh, it's in black and white. It is in black and white. Uh, there's Japanese people in it. <laughs> there it is, and there's subtitles. Oh, and they eat rice. <clears throat> they do eat rice. Yeah. Very, very good. Mike. Thank you. I found some trivia. <laughs> It costs $10. (laughs) So let's instead get to the plot. Mm. The Satakes, Mokichi and Teiko, are a well-off married couple living in the big city, which I think is Tokyo. It is is Tokyo. Mm -hmm. Teiko, a high-born city girl, is rather contemptuous of her solid but dull husband, who she refers to as Mr. Bonehead, (laughs) and is annoyed by his country-born habits. She often sneaks off to hot spring resorts or baseball games with her girlfriends, lying about where she's going for some reason. Mokichi may not actively lie as often, but he does conceal going drinking with his younger friend Nunchan or going to pachinko parlors. <gasps> the scandal! No! <clears throat> Especially one owned by an old army buddy of his. In the middle of all this, Taiko's niece, Setsuko, is rebelling against a marriage arranged by her family, the same sort of marriage that Mokichi and Taiko have. She does not see their marriage as much of an example. When Mokichi is suddenly sent overseas on a business trip for an undisclosed length of time while Teiko is away, Teiko is forced to confront her past behavior and her feelings for her husband, which ultimately brings them closer together. The film. Also brings them closer to the title of the film. Indeed, which we'll get to. <laughs> yes. But I want to lead off with what Patton says about this movie. Oh, you're going to lead off? You're yes. You're going to leave him until the end to be a no. judge? No, okay. I'm not, because this is all it says. This is all he said about it. i got to grab an Ozu. I'm grabbing this one because this movie actually has a shot where the camera pans in. Which is which for Ozu is like a Michael Bay action sequence. <laughs> that is true. I was watching for it. There is yep. one shot. Yep. It goes on the table. Yep. <laughs> The camera work in this is really interesting. The cinematography. There are a lot of shots of empty rooms just before someone comes into them. There are. Um, it's a, Things are very straight on. The shots are often held much longer than you would in Western film. Mm-hmm. This is very Japanese. If you've ever read any manga... They are very big, especially between scenes, of having maybe a page or even two full pages of nothing but yeah. shots of where the next action is going to take place. Yeah. They're very big about mood. They're very big about place. And later on in the film, I actually think there's a moment, and we actually kind of made fun of it, but I think there was actually a moment that was not only poetic, but it was meant to be, meant to be metaphorical. Metaphorical? Mm-hmm. Is that a word? Yes. Oh, ooh, yay! Well done. <laughs> So near the end of the film, to most audiences in the West, I would think there's an inexplicable shot of a water tower mm-hmm. and then a tree. Yeah. 
And I honestly think those are meant to represent the different backgrounds of the two. Oh, main the characters. city and the country. Right. Sure. So something new. The industrial and, and the natural. Right. Mm. And let's get this out of the way. To say that this film is subtle mm. is um, really an understatement. It is very subtle. It's also, dece- I think it's deceptively simple Well, in that it just looks like, oh, well, this is stuff happening. But in a lot of ways, there's commentary on marriage. Yeah. There's commentary on the clashing of the culture because here, this is post-war Japan. This is 1952, seven years after the end of World War II. There are Right from the fir- one of the first shots where the two women are in the back of the cab, one of them is wearing a kimono, mm-hmm. very traditionally done up with the obi and everything, and the other one's wearing very clear European or Western dress. Yep. And you see this all through the movie. There are people wearing traditional Japanese clothes, and there are people wearing not always the best-fitting Western clothes. Well, and there's other little bits of subtle poetry in there, so... Mrs. Satake mm-hmm. is always in a kimono. She never yeah. wears any Western clothes, nothing modern. But her room mm, in the in house, the house. Oh, is yeah. utterly Western. Yeah, she even has an actual wooden door as opposed to a shoji. Well, never mind, an actual bed that's yeah, like with a mattress bed, no off the floor. All the furniture is Western. The, the artwork on the walls is Western. And so I'm, I'm wondering if that's Ozu trying to say this is this modern, more cosmopolitan woman being forced into this traditional role that she doesn't want to be in. It's you're right. It's like that. It's subtle stuff like that. That's what you have to look look mm. for. This is not a film that you can just sort of breeze through. Not least of which cuz there's subtitles and yeah, you know. But Max, it's, Max moves can... his lips when he reads them. It helps. <laughs> what else would help a hammer? Uh, I tried that. It it hurt. Um I know. Yes. Uh it is a very languidly paced movie, for, yeah. especially for Western audiences. But it's also, as you say, it's something you have to pay attention to. But you don't have to. It's very soothing. This movie, I found this movie incredibly relaxing. But well, so here's the thing. I'm going to say I'm going to come out. This is not a a in any way a complaint, but I'm going to come out and say that this is a film that's going to feel better the second time around. And huh. that's because the first time you're like trying to keep up with the subtitles because you assume yeah. that there's a lot of important information in the subtitles. And there is, there some, is some, yeah. But but that's like there's also a lot of important, very subtle stuff in the background. And I think the second time around you'd be more willing to just sort of let some of that stuff go by. Because there was one point where we're uh, Mr. Satake is speaking, and there's no subtitle, and we were both like, "What? What? What?" But, and then it pops up and it goes away really quickly, yeah. so we never had a chance to read it. And I'm yeah. sure it was nice a mistake. job, Criterion. <laughs> yeah, it's one other one of those. <clears throat> so, do we want to talk about the actors at all? Yeah, let's some, yeah, let's talk a about hard, that. But it, it is a little hard because we're going to get the name, or I'm going to get a lot of the names wrong. But like Shin Saburi, who plays uh, Mr. Satake, is incredibly restrained. Oh in my his god, performance. It's not just subtle it's incredibly it's like still waters run deep well and yet he's it's funny he's supposed to be dull and stolid he's oddly very likable he's very nice to the servants yep he's at one point he's in the pachinko parlor with his young friend uh nonchan who is just sort of like his protege or just a buddy of his Yeah, not, and he's younger though he is, he's was... much younger he's just starting out in life yeah and they run into um, his his old friend from 
his squadron, who introduces him as squadron leader, he's the owner of the pachinko parlor. And this guy looks kind of scruffy, and yep. a pachinko parlor owner may not be that socially impressive. And it's very clear that Satake is very successful. He's got mm-hmm. His house is amazing. Yep. And he is not uncomfortable at all. He's just, hey, how are you? Yep. Yeah, I'll come in and have a drink with you. Sure, it's great to see you again. Well, to be fair, the guy who owns the pachinko parlor, mm-hmm. he's like that. And Satake is, again, much more subdued. But you don't get the impression that he's unhappy to see this guy. Yeah. Obviously, he outranked him. Mm-hmm. They come from different backgrounds. But he's like, no, I'll have a drink yeah, with you. He's not, is- and he's not embarrassed like, oh, no, the owner of the pachinko parlor is talking to me. And he, can, he compliments him. It's like, oh, you seem to be doing very well, yep. which is allowing his friend to go, well, yeah, I actually don't think Pachinko's good for the society, and it probably won't be around long. Uh, right on one, no on two. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't realize. You know, pachinko still kind of baffles me. I know it's people are obsessed with it. Well, it's just, I mean, it's no different than people going to the casinos and playing one-armed bandits, yeah. except there's an actual skill involved in Pachinko. I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, because you're actually trying to aim the balls in the little uh, holes to mm. win valuable Bell, Little balls, yes. You get more little balls. Or which I guess a you uh, gift certificate from the Spiegel catalog. <laughs> Chicago 6609. Yep. But um, I, it is definitely nowadays, from what I understand... Pachinko parlors are, shall we say, not highly thought of. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're they're definitely like. I mean, Lower it's no class. Dif- well, it's it's no different than walking into any given casino and there's that person that you know is probably not very well off mm. sitting there smoking with one hand and pulling the damn handle with the other, and that's yeah. all they do. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah, so I I really like his performance. I think it's terrific. Well, I have a question before yeah. we move on for him. Yeah. Because I'm not sure which way I would go. Would you say that? He, as the husband, is more sad or ineffectual? Hmm. I'd go more with sad. Because he isn't cowed by his wife. Mm-hmm. He wants... I think he, he's more interested in pleasing her and making her happy than she is. He doesn't have the contempt for her that she obviously has for him. Yeah. But he is still... He's not a pushover. He can't get Setsuko to do anything, but she's a 21-year-old woman. Well, and he's also probably worried about the propriety. Don't you know the meaning yeah. of propriety? Yeah, and also, he's probably on some level agreeing with her. Right. I mean, but, no, I don't. I think he's a bit sadder. I don't think he's like the goofy, ineffectual, yes, dear husband. <laughs> you mean droopy dog? Yeah, pretty much. He's not the poodle? No. Yeah, believe it or not, droopy's supposed to be a poodle, but whatever. Really? Yeah. He, not any poodle I've ever no. seen. But okay. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So I, no, I don't think he's. I don't think he's pathetic. I don't think he's a pushover. I think he's. He's sad. He's trying to make the best of his of his life. And I'm going to go a little with both in that. Mm. I think he's sad because his his marriage isn't working, and I think he mm. really does care for his wife. Yeah. But he is ineffectual in what she wants, and I think what she actually wants, although never comes out, is she actually wants him to stand up a little bit more. She Maybe. wants him to seem a little bit more. I mean, he is very solid. He's dependable. No matter what he says, he's going to do it mm-hmm. or has done it. And he's not exciting. No. And, and he's they, not cosmopolitan. No. And Japan, which, to be fair, is kind of one of the stars of this film, um, looks spectacular. Yeah. It's seven years after the war and, like... But you can still see some of the effects in the office where he works. Every door has a fire bucket outside it. Right. Which was as a response to bombings that would set the buildings on fire. But honestly, that was it. Yeah. Like, everything seems... Everything's intact. Everything looks great. Yeah. So, so who's next? Yeah. Then there's uh, Michio Kogure as Taiko Sataki. Mm -hmm. 
she's also she has a real force about her. She does, and she's very wry and very needling in her ways. She comes across... You, you get the character almost immediately. Yeah. It's like, okay, yes, this is the spoiled city girl. This is the one who... I mean, her friend, Aya, who is uh, played by Chikage Awashima, mm-hmm. who also I think is very good, she just says flat out, you can't stand it when everything doesn't go the way you want it to go. Yeah. I got less of a definitive character from Aya than well, I do from yeah. Mrs. Satake. Yeah, Aya is, just, is a supporting character. She's, she's not the main. Well, at one point she sees her husband at the baseball game with mm. another woman. Yeah, and, and the reaction is very odd. Well, yeah, and it never really goes anywhere. No, um, it's, so. it's, and, and uh, is it her, her is, the, is the husband who comes and like, asks her for money, isn't and, it? Yes, and she basically says, no, you can't have it, and sends him away. Yes, dear. Yeah, he's way more of the droopy dog husband, I yeah. think. But yeah. she's, she, I want to come back to her yeah. part, but her acting, too, is... Wait, which her? I'm sorry, Mrs. Sataki. Okay. Um, Michio, yeah. Yeah. Her depth of character is also there. Mm-hmm. And she goes through the gamut of starting to act like, well, I'm just getting away with a little something, to I don't give a crap what he thinks. I'm just going to go. But I'm still going to lie about it, because mm. whatever. So yeah, I still don't understand why she felt the need. It's like I'm going to sneak away to a hot spring, but I'm going to tell him a friend's sick. Well, why would it bother him if you wanted to go to a hot spring? They don't. Well, I think that's the big question. Yeah. She doesn't know why it would be a problem. She just assumes it would be. That so. is one of the remarkable things about this movie. It doesn't ha- spoon feed you everything. It doesn't hand you the answers. You have no. to work at figuring out some of this stuff, which is again, I don't know if it's just. Not a lot of American movies or not a lot of modern movies, because it seems the more recent movies are much more likely to treat the audience as stupid. Yes. Yeah. And this one does not. This says, nope, you got to figure this out yourself. No. It's... This is a film that, quite honestly, I would say is going to play better in a theater. And the reason I say that no. is because you're not going to be distracted by things like, oh, I could go and microwave some popcorn. Well, I that's could go true of a lot of movies. That but, is true. But you, this like, one, you really do have to focus. You're yeah. Right. If you walked away from this and came back ten minutes later, you really be might lost. be lost. You would be. So Yeah. And then there's also Keiko Tsushima, who plays Setsuko. She's, you know, I think she does a nice job. We don't get a lot about her. No, she's well, the rebellious niece. She she's is, the newest of the new, right? Because yeah. she's not only is she the first person we see wearing Western clothing right from the beginning, mm-hmm. but she is the one who's bucking the system and saying, "I don't want an arranged marriage. I want to marry somebody that I actually care for." And mm-hmm. I don't want. She doesn't quite come out and say this, but it's like, "I don't want to end up in a marriage like yours." She kind of does <laughs> later say that. on, and yeah. in the beginning, she doesn't. Yeah, that's true. But so, you kind of understand it the way it's like. I don't want to. Think about my husband the way you talk about yours. It's Mr. Terrible. Bonehead. Yeah. Mr. Bonehead, you know, just comparing him to a carp. What's really funny is that she, you know, it's like, oh, well, you're young. And then it's like, you better get married, you're old. And like, wait, could you pick one? She's yeah. 21, we find out, yeah. which is totally believable. There's the, the image of marriage in this movie is very, uh, I don't traditional? know, very traditional, but also, I mean, Aya says, you know, to uh, uh, Setsuko, well, just wait till you're married. It's terrible. Coffee? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, they come very close to that line of, you know, battle axe and wimpy husband. I mean, almost we're, we're almost to the honeymooners, but not quite. Not, eh. It's not that blunt, but there is that. Well, he doesn't ver- threaten to punch her. No, or send her to the moon, or, yeah. whatever, or the Flintstones, or I mean, quite honestly, sitcoms after the honeymooners for the next 
25 years. Yeah. Um, it's It doesn't quite get that far, but there's definitely disharmony at home. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I want to come back to the parts later after we do the acting. Mm-hmm. Um, Who else? Those are most of the ma- major. Han Chan's there. Nan-chan. Oh yeah, Nan Chan. He's he's, uh, he's there. That's Koji Tsurata, who is apparently uh, uh, yes, no, Tsuruta, excuse me. He's apparently a name in the Japanese theater in Japanese film. He's yeah, he's also the next generation. You know, he's yeah. the the kid who's just starting out. I actually had to look something up. He is the one he asks Mister Satake to be his. Uh, Hang on, I had to write this down. Oh, it's like his new hire guarantor. Yeah, new, new, new hire guarantor, which basically means it's like when someone co-signs a loan for you. It's saying uh, they will be financially responsible for any fraud or incompetence that loses the company money. Oh. Yeah. So basically it's saying, I won't, you know, I am vouching this person won't steal from the company, and if he does, I'll pay for it. I wish we had a better idea of where he came from. Like, why does Satake yeah, know why him? do they hang out? Because, again, he's a, he's a lot younger. He's got to be around 20, 22 or so. Yeah, and it could very well be that he was the son of somebody that Satake served mm-hmm. with. We don't yeah. know. And it also could just be a cultural thing that seemed obvious in Japan. They're like, well, we don't have to explain this. And we're like, um, um, please? Where yeah, it might know. be that just people who are a generation older automatically look yeah, out for people. I don't know if people. this is a sort of senpai kohai thing or what. That's disgusting. You can't say that on our show. <sighs> Do you know what it means? Yes. Oh, okay. The senpai, yeah. senpai and kohai, it's like master and apprentice almost, except not as formalized. It's guy who knows more stuff and the guy who is here to learn from him. But if you take senpai and kohai and put them together, you get kampai, which is what you say before you drink. You got everything wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I think those are all the major characters. Yeah. So let's go into some of the parts. There's a couple of things in here that I don't quite understand. Yeah. And there's some things that I think are very subtle and that you might not miss. So we were talk, just talking about Nanchan and his relationship with Mr. Satake. Yeah. I honestly think one of the reasons he's there is to be that comparison. Mm. We're seeing what Satake-san looked like when he was younger. And maybe... Satake is taking it a little bit on himself to hopefully say, okay, so I made some mistakes. Mostly what it looks like is him being a little depressed being around Nanchan because it's yeah. like, yeah, I used to be that idealistic. Yeah, I, used I used to have, have that energy. what's that word, fun. Yeah. But yeah, not so much anymore. But, you know, I, but the one that I don't understand mm. is Mrs. Satake. Okay. I get her all the way up to the very end of the film. And then Mr. Satake is told by his boss, you are suddenly going to Uruguay, which comes out of left field for all of us. And he has to go like the next day. And that's it. So his wife has said, yeah, whatever, I don't care. I'm going to go off and visit some friends in Suma, whatever Mm -hmm. that means. And it might have some cultural significance. I don't know. And he doesn't know about his trip until after she's left and doesn't even know she's left. And his boss sends him home and says, get ready. I'll have lunch with you tomorrow. Then you go to Uruguay. Mm -hmm. So... He goes home and is like, where's my wife? Oh, she left. Here's a note she left for you that basically said, yeah, I left. See, I'm going to think some things through. Clear my head, yeah. And he's like, okay, I need to send her a telegram because I'm literally flying, let's see, around the world tomorrow. And, you know, you probably want to or should say goodbye. I mean, that's a big thing, apparently, because when he leaves, when he actually gets on the plane, 
everybody, all the other characters are there. You know, what weirded me out. You uh, and I were there. Yeah, waving. <laughs> we were. Bye. We were in the crowd. I don't know. I don't remember it. I don't, we weren't born yet, but yeah. we were there. Yeah, everyone's there, and they're all waving. It's like he's getting going on an ocean liner. Right. Well, it was a pan. It wasn't a Clipper, but it was a Pan Am airship. Yeah, yeah, and it, well, he was going halfway around the world, and there was no implication of how long he'd be. Yeah, but then she he, doesn't show up. No, she, no, she doesn't. It's a big, and everyone is like, "Where, where, where is she?" Yeah. So, she comes back, and she's like, oh, he left? Well, too bad for that. Oh, well, I missed him. She knows that she missed him. She doesn't care. Mm -hmm. But then, surprisingly, he comes back, because it turns out there was plane trouble. I don't know how they had plane trouble over the Pacific and managed to turn around, but mm. hey, good for them. Yeah. Then she has this change of heart. I think it starts a little earlier than before, when his return. I think she's thinking about it, but there's this implication that something happened in Suma that made her basically do a 180, and I uh, don't know what it is. I don't think it was in Suma. I think it was she came back and she realized he was gone. And you got to remember, 1952, flying halfway around the world, especially to a country like Uruguay, which was not the most politically stable, that was dangerous. There was a real chance he wouldn't come back. And I think that's what she suddenly has to confront that. I mean, I, I really like there's this one shot, no dialogue. She's just, she's lying in bed thinking about whatever. And she goes into his office and she finds a pack of his cigarettes, mm. which he originally, he told her, he said, I know you don't like that I smoke these because these are cheap, but I like them. They're comfortable. They're familiar. I like the flavor. Uh, you, It's a big thing with him. He says, you know, I know you don't like that I travel third class on the train, but I like it. It's comfortable. It's Faster cozy. and easier. It's faster, it's easier, it's cozier. I'll fly by plane when I have to. I'll go first class if it's faster. But I like things cozy and down to earth. Mm. And so I think when she realizes she could lose him, that there's a chance, and she and where she didn't say goodbye, yeah. she's like, oh, what's what have I done? And it, she suddenly realizes, I would miss him. I, 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 I want him around. For me, that point was a little too subtle. I, I think it worked for me. I don't. I, we don't know her inner reasonings. That's no. true. That's a, a mystery. Because but, we almost have a taming of the shrew moment. And in a way, it, it almost throws off a lot of the feeling in the film. So one of the things that surprised me was, this is 1952. Obviously, there's still a lot of traditional Japanese culture going along. And mm -hmm. a lot of it's mixing with Western ideas, because we were there. Mm -hmm. But she... Let's see, how do I want to put this? She's and a lot of her friends don't act like the traditional Japanese wife that we have seen elsewhere. They don't seem to be, oh yes, my husband, I will do what you say, my husband, I will not I, I will not go off keep, on my own. Keep in mind that's what you that is the public face. The way Japanese couples are in private is radically different. But they go out like she just goes out to baseball games. Like the women just go off and do whatever they Again, want. That's a post, I think that's a post-war thing. People were experiencing an entire a huge cultural shift. And which is fine, you know. And actually, I like seeing when women characters are just doing whatever they want and are treated exactly the same way as the men characters. Mm -hmm. I was just surprised to see it. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that when we get back, the way they portray. The two of them, when he comes back and he's late at night and he's like, well, 
I'm tired, but I'm more hungry than tired. And they end up making a meal together in the kitchen, mm -hmm. which is actually really charming and also kind of funny because it's quite obvious that both of them are like, ah, yes, this kitchen you speak of, what is that? <laughs> well, they obviously both, she knows how to cook. She, right. She's chopping she up. did. Yeah, it's just obviously they haven't done it for a while and they no. haven't been to the kitchen because they don't know where anything is. No, and they don't want to wake the service. But they don't make it a comedy. They don't make it like, oh, no, where is this crash bump? Yeah. It's like, hey, where's, oh, here it is. And Okay, yeah, there's some leftover rice. But and he wants green tea over rice. He wants the title of the film. He wants That's the title wants. of the film. But the thing that the only issue I had was, let's face it, she was throughout most of the film a witch rhymes with. Uh -huh. And she does need to back off and take a look at herself. That being said, he wasn't perfect. No. But the way they portray it, all of the compromises being done from her side, and it has a little bit of that taming of the shrew part at the end, I would like to have seen him say something and then not just look at his rice after she says she basically says, I've been terrible. No, don't worry about it. No, I've been terrible. Again, well, at least very, I'm glad you very, understand. That's very Japanese, though. I understand that, but I have to look at it through my eyes. Yeah. I can't look at yeah. through Japanese eyes. And for me, I sort of like... I don't want the the point of the film to just crush her spirit. I loved the idea of the compromise because I really wish he had said something like... He does earlier, though. Well, but he disagrees with her. He's trying to no, get no, her he, to not be nasty to him. But also he's saying little things. Like, she, she objects that he pours his soup over the rice. And right. he says, I didn't know that bothered you so much. You know, this is just how I was brought up. Right. I'll stop doing it. She's like, no, it's fine. She goes, no, you don't like it. I'll stop doing it. He is clearly willing to change. He's willing to compromise. The problem is she won't tell him. Well, and I think she also maybe, we don't know, mm -hmm. wants to see him stand up a little more, not just bend with the, her wind. Oh, that sounded rude. <laughs> I don't know. The, the, when they, her friends talk about how she wants everything her own way, I think she just wants him to be what she wants him to be. She wants him to be cultured and more... You know, elegant and less dull. And he's not going to be. And he's not going... And that, in some ways, is a lot of his strength. He's like, no, I'll... If there are things that really annoy you about me, I will change those habits. But I'm not going to change who I am. This is who I am. I was raised in the country. You can't change that. Right. But what's happening is she's backing off and compromising, and he isn't. Because let, I think she was being more unreasonable. Oh, I definitely do, too. But he, it would be nice to... He I, never... We never hear him put her down. No. He never insults her. He never says a single negative thing about him, even when he's drinking with his friends. No, but he does lie to her as well and goes off and has... Yeah, there was a really interesting comparison between what the boys do when they go out and what the girls do when they go out. Quite honestly, the girls seem to have more fun. The mm. boys just go and have a drink, which is... But you notice that both of them, or someone in the group, sings after they drink. When people, Both of them, yeah. I never really thought of that. That was just kind of surprised to me that, like, I never thought Japanese people, I don't visual picture them having a drink or two and then breaking into song. Uh, I thought it was nice. Where do you think karaoke comes from? That's more formalized. These guys were just sitting around a table, and, like, his World War buddy suddenly starts singing a military song, and no one gets uncomfortable. No one looks like, oh, this is weird. It's just like, yeah. And you can see... I, it was a moment. I was I was wondering if Satake was going to start singing along, but he doesn't. He's just tapping two of his fingers very slowly in rhythm with the song. I thought that was really nice. I, I, that even might be a clue towards the strata in the military, right? Yeah. That might be the oh, the officers don't sing. Maybe I don't know. Um, there's just there's way too much to look up to really get all of those mm. parts in this film. 
I uh, was very surprised initially that uh, she's making up these horrible stories about, you know, oh, Setsuko has appendicitis, I have to go to the hot springs, and then Setsuko pops in and goes, hi, how's it going? Oh, did I say Setsuko? I meant, um, uh, uh, Betsuko. Yeah, that's it, Betsuko. And as it turns out, he knew. And? He knew all of it. You know, she knew she was full of it, and she knew, he knew, and it, <laughs> I don't know if he actually says this because she only reports that he says it. Yeah. But I kind of like the line because she says, yeah, he said, next time, do a better job lying or just tell the truth. It's easier. Yeah. Which, you know, is something her friends had been telling her. Yeah. 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 Although, again, the friends are... The friends are kind of weird because initially they're sort of with her and they're making fun of him too and they're mm. talking, they're pointing out a carp at the hot springs like, oh, it looks like him, it looks like him. And then later on, Aya is like, oh, you're terrible. And so... I, now the thing is, I think they're okay with her as long as it's all talk. Yeah. Because that's all it seems to be. And there are certain things they do like Aya, or I think it's Aya who is making a thing of like, well, I saw my husband with another woman. That means he, I can get him to buy me the new kimono I want. Yeah, boy, that was weird. It was very odd. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's clearly a game that they play or a, a, a structure they have. But it's when she actually does something. Like, she doesn't show up to see him off, which is apparently a pretty big deal. Yeah. That's when they go, that was that was over the top. Yeah. That was too much. Yeah, so I suppose in some way, loveless marriages are the same the world over. Yeah. That's, that's our uh, message, it's, it's, I that's guess. That's the no, takeover. No, no. no and, it, and, uh, and the thing is, I think some of the messages, when they actually start to both think about each other and actually talk to each other, that's when it starts to work out. That's when, yeah. you know, the marriage is clearly strengthening and improving. It's an interesting point, though, because in a Western movie, the whole thing would be, oh, arranged marriages are awful and you shouldn't have them. And this is like, no. They're, well, they, sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. The film technically ends with Setsuko going after Nanchan and in a very non-arranged, non-traditional marriage. Well, yeah, both of them, because obviously uh, Mr. Satake doesn't like, he says, is like, I don't want to create, he says, I don't want to create another couple like us. Yeah. And at first, Mrs. Satake is not, you have to, what are you talking about? It's your, it's your duty, it's your, you know, don't be selfish. And at the end, she's like, you know, find, find someone you like. Find someone you can get along with. Don't worry about what kind of clothes they wear or, you know, how much money they have. Just somebody you can tolerate. It's not the ribbon in your hair. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the perfume that you wear. I don't mind you coming here yeah. wasting all my time. Oh, Ooh, there's a deeper. Oh, Rick Ocasek, you genius. Um, there, there's points in this film that are actually funny. A lot of them, mm. I think, are... Not, maybe not a lot of them. Some of them, I think, are a little bit of social awkwardness because we look at it and go, oh, yeah, I wouldn't do that or mm. something. But I think some of them are actually meant to be funny. It's not yeah. meant to be this totally dramatic, dour film. And it's, no, it's not, not dour, I don't think. Well, but if you think about the subject matter, it easily some, it's could a, be. It's a, it could be very sad, but some yeah. of it is actually very nice and very charming. But some stuff that happens, we're just sitting there going, why is this happening? Yeah. So they go to a baseball game. Nobody is cheering for anything. No, they're all just sitting very quietly and, and watching the field. Yeah, and then there's a bicycle race they go to. and now they People jump to their little, feet. There, yeah. Yes, but nobody's cheering. No. They just stand up. Yeah, that's like, true. Like, oh, it is exciting now. I will stand up. Like, that's it. Yeah. And then what was the other thing? Oh, they go to the pachinko parlor and no one's talking no. there's like they're just well yeah that's if you go to a casino and you see people in the slot machines no one's talking there either no but they have music and stuff going and they yeah. serve drinks and so on and so forth it was just stuff like that which i know is not meant to be funny also and i want a t-shirt for this yeah. there's a restaurant that they show oh, us yeah. the sign for twice <laughs> called calorie house yeah yep yeah. very yep yeah. 
accurate, no doubt, factually accurate. Yep, and it's this picture of this pig, and the thing is, you can't tell. Is it like okay? Is it calorie house because you're getting pork, or are you going to look like that when you leave? Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, I, I don't know. There are some lines I still don't understand. At the end, when they're having the meal together and they've made tea over rice, and he says, "That's what marriage is—the flavor of tea over rice." Huh? I I don't get that. I will have to go with the way that most Japanese food has come off to me, which is subtle and complex. Okay, that works. Because that makes sense. I I couldn't have. I wouldn't have gotten that. I mean, I don't know that I'm right, but that makes sense. It seems also to be sort of a meta a metaphor for compromise because he likes to pour broth over his rice. Mm -hmm. The green tea, I'm guessing, is considered more, you know, fancy or cos or not cosmopolitan, but more metropolitan or mm -hmm. more. I don't know. There's it's a higher level of stuff, so he chooses that. He even says that that's what he specifically wants, mm -hmm. but she. And only accepts it right away, but it seems that they come together over the meal and that metaphor. That's my guess. I don't yeah. know. I do think that the film is, in general, very ele uh, elegant and poetic. And it kind of... This is sort of a metaphor that doesn't work. It kind of slowly unfolds the way that you would slowly fold origami. So that's why that doesn't yeah. work. But no, I get the idea. Yeah. It's like a piece of origami. It's very... It looks... On the outside, it looks very simple. But on the inside, it's a very collect, uh, complicated collection of folds. Yeah. Different layers. Yeah. yeah. Which I think kind of brings us to... Uh, what oh, that we, thing what, we what do? It, what that thing we do at the end. Thank you, Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. The finish. So, Max. Yeah. I know you've seen this six, seven times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had never heard of this movie. No. Not once before Patton told us about it. Personally. But, yes, but he told me, talking to us on the magic phone I have that can reach him anywhere and beams the words directly into our brains. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. That's what's beaming <laughs> your brain. It's I, a Swanson I, I honestly, dinner. I've never heard of Ozu either. Yeah. Okay. Because, I mean, most of the Japanese movies I've seen are samurai movies or action movies. Yeah. There are a few of the, you know, Kurosawa movies, some of those are, a few of those are a little more sedate, but... No, I'd never heard of this. Mm -hmm. Didn't know it at all. What about you? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Not a thing. So what did you think? I liked it. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised the fact of how much I liked it. Because when it started off, I was like, okay, I'm either not going to understand this because it's going to be too culturally centered, or it's going to be boring because it's slow and there's very, very long camera shots of nothing or mm -hmm. what yeah. appears to be nothing, just right. emptiness. A lot of negative space in this movie. And yet... It really works. It's incredibly... You're invested in the characters, but it's very soothing. And it's just... You get carried along with it. It's like floating in a stream. I, I, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. What about you? I'm going to basically say the same thing. It is not a film that you can lightly watch. You can't be doing something else yeah, while you're watching. Yeah, this is not a background movie. No. And, again, I am wondering if a second viewing wouldn't have yielded huh. a less anxious result because it's like we're trying to read all the words, trying to read all the words. So something you just said, like, oh, they show all these these shots of their house and everything's very empty and clean. And it's like, oh, you mean like their marriage? Yeah. Like that, there's probably a lot of very carefully considered visual metaphors it's here. It's very, very cold and very beautiful <laughs> and you're not allowed to touch anything. See, I told you, it's Alan Ruck. <laughs> It's all about, like, you know what he could have done in this film? Oh, my God, he would have been amazing. <laughs> so I, it's, there are people who don't like foreign films. They don't like reading subtitles. Boy, would I not want to have seen this dubbed. Oh, oh that would have been that awful. Would have hurt. But there is a, a subtlety in this film. There is a 
poetry to this film that quite honestly you just don't see anymore. This is an art house film. Let's for the Western audience. Let's yeah. let's face it. I mean, it might be for the Japanese audience too. I don't know. This is not an easy film to see. No. The only places I I know you can find it. I mean, maybe you can find the DVD at the library. It's on the Criterion Channel, and sometimes it is on Canopy. Canopy with a K. Check by the way if you check that out because Canopy is a free service if for, through public libraries that has uh, online movies. Why not just spell Canopy with a K? Canopy. Oh, I never thought of that. What a silly bunt. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things, one of the reasons we did this series is that we wanted to broaden our horizons. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. we want to broaden our horizons, yeah. and we're using um, Patton as our personal tool. Because, what? I don't Okay, know. that came out way dirty. Yeah, no, that's that's not what I meant. No, we are taking Patton's advice because Patton is wise and good and all-knowing, and he will, he will protect us and smite our enemies. And he yeah. better be funny tomorrow night. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> Because we'll, he better show be up, or we'll dissatisfied, we'll shake our fists and stick <laughs> our tongues out. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, this is a film I don't think is for everybody. Everybody, but mm. if you want to broaden your horizons, you know, expand your mind. It's also just nice. It's a beautiful film to look at. It is. It's just very subtle. Very mm -hmm. subtle. But uh, you know what's also subtle is this week's poll question. Go over that again, would you, Max? I will, but there's no subtlety about it. We want to know, who is one actor whose success absolutely baffles you? Just makes you think, how did this person become a movie star? We're talking about a big one, you know, not like a one-shot or a two-shot. And you can answer this by emailing us at us at maxmikemovies.com. You can also go to our website, maxmikemovies.com, and leave a comment. You can find us on the Book of Facing which is under Max Mike Movies. Facebook. Which where we post the uh, poll question you can answer there. On Facebook. On, on the booking face. Facebook! Never! <laughs> Up yours, Zuck. <laughs> there is that. <laughs> and, we, of course, if you listen to us on, if you want to listen to us on podcast apps, we are on all the podcast apps. Pretty much, except for one. Except for YouTube Music, but I'm sure... Someday. Someday. Someday, Someday my prince will come. And now, before I beat Mike Taft to death with a shoe... What, again? Yeah. We, we are not done with Patton's recommendations. What you? did Patton order you to tell us to watch next week, Mike? For we must do so, or lest he smite us in our sleep. I thought we were going to smite him. No, no, I think it's this other way around. Oh, oh. Well... Not smiting, though. You know, at some point in everybody's life, they get into a little trouble. Mm, and I understand at one point... That maybe our pal Patton got into a little female trouble. And by that, I mean he watched a John Waters film called <laughs> Female Trouble. I thought you meant he was having his period. Oh, no, no, wait, you said I got crude. <laughs> no, Female Trouble, it's a John Waters film. Uh, I believe it has Divine in it. Mm -hmm. uh, we will certainly find out. But yeah, next week we are all going to get into some female trouble. Ooh, right here in River City? Uh, yes, but that rhymes with... P with a capital way. F that uh, stands with, uh, or rhymes with Jeff. Um, Smith. Smith. <laughs> this has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. 